Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is our Sunday morning Bible class. Welcome. It's great that we can get together and open up God's Word and study a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Well, we're podcasting a Bible study that is posted every Sunday morning for people who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, we know some in the Omaha area even cannot be with us at those times for one reason or another, but we know that there are people also across the country and around the world who want to be in a Bible study, but obviously they live in other parts of the country or the world, and so they cannot be with us in person. But they can be with us, and we're thankful that you're there and that we're able to be with you through this study through the means of the internet and by way of these podcasts. So reaching out with God's word through these podcasts goes all over the world, wherever the internet is available. And we pray that people will grow in their faith, come closer to God, and ultimately become Christians. Come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and for salvation. You can help people along that line by sharing these short studies through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means with family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Make that commitment. Start sharing these studies every time you possibly can with everybody you can. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also for you. We're going to finish up our study in the book of Joshua. Now, we have gone through the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and that led us up to the point where the Israelites were ready to cross into the promised land, and Moses had finished his leadership of them, God not allowing him to enter the promised land himself because of taking glory for himself back in the wilderness on one occasion. And so God simply took Moses. He, he brought his life, physical life to an end and buried him someplace where nobody ever knew. But then Joshua, the book of Joshua, picks up with Joshua becoming, by God's instruction and by Moses also um, appointment, Joshua becomes the new leader of the people of Israel. And so he leads them across the Jordan River into the promised land, which was at that time the land of Canaan. It would become the land of Israel. And so he begins leading the warriors of Israel in battle after battle after battle. Literally, multitudes of kings were fought against and their armies were defeated and their their cities and their peoples were either driven out of the land or destroyed. And so God has given the land to the people of Israel. It's the land that he promised to them going all the way back to their forefathers, going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and so on. And so now they are the people who can possess this land and it can become their land, again, the land of Israel. As Joshua closes out his time with them in in leadership, at least in this conquest phase of that leadership, he's already told them, I'm old, I'm advanced in years, and so he recognizes that probably his lifespan is coming close to coming to an end. 
In the 24th chapter of Joshua, the very last chapter in this book, we begin to read. When Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of, of, of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah and the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Well, interesting. It's, it's rather amazing to me how widespread the practice of idolatry was within the human race. And when I say idolatry, I'm talking about the worship of idols, how widespread a practice it was, even though God continually warned against, taught against, commanded, you do not worship images. They're nothing. They're just inanimate objects. They're just carvings and and moldings and rocks in some cases. Do not worship them. They're not gods. They're not any kind of entity. They're just an object. And so when you're worshiping idols, you're worshiping false gods. Again, gods that aren't even real. You're just worshiping that, 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 that thought. You're worshiping that image. And God said, that's wrong. I am the God, the only God. I am your creator, and I am your blessing giver. But again, people fall into common worldly practices all the time, don't they? Well, so verse 3, then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, and notice again, Uh, going back to verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel. So God, God speaking here and Joshua getting this across to the people in verse 3, then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Isaac would be the son through whom, the son of promise to Abraham, through whom the bloodline would continue that would ultimately lead to and produce the nation of Israel. In verse 4, to Isaac I gave Jacob, and it would be through Jacob's bloodline that, again, the Israelite nation would come into existence. Jacob's 12 sons would become the heads of the 12 tribes that would develop into Israel. And by the time Moses comes along, that, that population is probably somewhere between one to three million strong, men, women, and children. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went, out, went down to Egypt. And you remember at the end of the book of Genesis, there was that great famine, and Joseph, one of the sons of, of uh, Jacob, had been put into a place of second-in-command to only, only the, the Pharaoh himself being above Jacob, uh, being above uh, Joseph, and Joseph being very influential, very powerful within the land of Egypt, and he brought his father and his siblings into the land and all of their households and they resided there for about 400 years, maybe 450 years. And so there, therein, they grew into this mighty population that became the nation of Israel. And that now, 
possesses that land of Canaan that God promised to Abraham going way back, and now it's going to become, or it is becoming, the nation of Israel. So, verse 5, also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. So, toward the end of their reside within Egypt, Another Pharaoh come along, came along, and he did not know Joseph, what we're talking about hundreds of years later, and he feared how strong in population these, well, foreign people, the, these Israelites, were as they were living in his land. He feared they might rise up against him and his people and form an alliance with some foreign power and fight against them and overtake the land of Egypt. Well, so he made slaves out of them, basically. And it became so bad, they cried, the Israelites cried to God in prayer for deliverance, and God sent Moses and Aaron to lead them out, and God sent plagues upon the Egyptian people, including the household of Pharaoh. All right. So, verse 6, then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your, your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And so, boy, Joshua is just kind of <laughs> putting into a nutshell a whole lot of period of history there decades of history, in fact, reminding them what they had come out of. Now, the people that are now possessing the land of Canaan, making it the land of, of, of Israel, uh, by God's instruction and God's blessings, these are the youthful generations. Now, they're, they're the adult generations now, but therefore their fathers and grandfathers and so on had died out in the wilderness because of weak faith. And so now, but, but some of these were alive during at least part of that time. And so now they are the adult generations, the fathers and the grandfathers and so on. So verse seven, they cried out to the Lord. He put darkness. Now remember the Egyptian army and, you know, pursued the Israelites to the Red Sea. God parted the sea, allowed the, the Israelites to cross on dry ground. And then when the Egyptian chariots you know, pursued them into the Red Sea, God closed the waters up over them and destroyed them. Verse 8, And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And so God's reminding them, you had to fight some battles along the way, but I gave you the victory every single time over those lands and over those kings and their armies. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So all these different peoples that had, re had, that had been residing within the land of Canaan 
they fought against the Israelites, but Joshua led them in battle, but God gave them the victories in every single case. I delivered them into your hand, God said. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and of the olive groves which you did not plant. And so God says, you did not defeat all of these kings and all of these armies, all of these peoples by your own power. I gave you the victories. I led you to the victories. I gave you victories over them. I defeated them before you. And I gave you a land that was planted with produce that you did not plant the gardens, the vineyards. You did not plant the crops, but you now you can reap the harvests. I gave you cities that you did not build, but now you're living in those cities. I have given you all of these blessings. I've given you this land. Now, verse 15, and if it seems evil to you, I'm going back to verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt, serve the Lord. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that God, that Joshua, still has to remind the people to put away the idols? I think we probably can understand that the practice of idol worship was still being practiced within the population of the Israelites, even after all they had gone through, even after all of the instructions, the commandments, the warnings from God, through Moses, from God himself, through Joshua, all of those warnings, and they still were practicing the worship of idols. Now, not, not all of the Israelites, but it was still being practiced by, I, I think we're to understand, by a number of them, probably fairly commonly. So, verse 15, if it's, the end of verse 14 says, serve the Lord. Put away those gods, those idols, serve the Lord. Now, verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua speaking. So he says, make up your minds. Get off the fence. If you're going to serve the idols, well, you're making a choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a great statement. What a great, great commitment. Verse 16, and Joshua is actually calling the people to make that commitment. Make the commitment. Who are you going to serve? Serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight 
and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Now, the people here, at least spokesmen for them, they're, they're, they're speaking, they're voicing great faith in God. They're remembering what God has done for them. Verse 18, and the Lord drove out from us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, you see that last statement? This is a statement of the people in general, the Israelites. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And the only God is what they, I think they're coming to express, to make that commitment of recognition, realization. Verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Now, Joshua, I think, is speaking from (laughs) personal understanding of how the Israelite people were. They were a wishy-washy people, or at least they had been. And when you continue to read their history going through the next several books that we look at as historical accounts of the Israelites of Israel, we see that they continued to be a wishy-washy people when it came to faithfulness and and absolute commitment to God. In verse 20, Joshua goes on and says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. God's blessed you. But if you turn away from him, if you compromise your dedication to him by worshiping foreign gods, by worshiping idols as well, trying to combine that with with worshiping God, God will turn and do you harm and consume you. In other words, he's going to bring judgment upon you. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So they're making a statement of commitment here. No, we're not going to serve foreign gods. We're not going to serve idols. We're going to serve the Lord, the one true, the only God. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. So Joshua is calling them to account. He says, look, you've made your choice. You've made your statement. You're witnesses against yourself. They say, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And again, he makes this statement. He gives this instruction. Some of the Israelites, I think probably many of the Israelites, are still mixing idol worship with their worship of God. And so Joshua again says, put these foreign gods, put these idols away from you. They should have stopped and thought, God has just given us multiple victories over these people who worshiped idols. Why in the world were these people still, the Israelites, many of them still worshiping idols themselves? You see, when the devil gets a foothold in somebody's life or in a nation's culture, it's difficult to shake that foothold back out the door and shut the door on the devil. 
So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves. They said, we are witnesses. Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So three times now, the people have made an emphatic statement, a declaration, we will be dedicated to God. We will worship only God, the true God. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he wrote, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Now notice, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. Okay, so Joshua being the penman, and Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness for us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. So what did Joshua do? He took a large stone, set it up under the oak, and it would be a reminder to the people of the commitment that they had made on that day. And then he let all the people go back home to their own inheritance. Verse 29, now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath, at Timnath Sirah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen or, or, or who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So I think we're to understand that we're talking about the people served the Lord God. They were faithful to him as long as Joshua was alive, and as long as those elders who outlived Joshua, who had gone through the crossing of the Red Sea, had been led out of Egypt. Now, they would have been youngsters during that time, to a great extent, and had gone through the wilderness, and had gone through the conquests of the land of Canaan. The people stayed true, as long as those eyewitness members of the Israelites were still alive. So the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, remember when they left Egypt, they brought the bones of Joseph with them. They carried them with them all this time. They buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in the hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. So, the passing of the torch, so to speak, is continuing. The people now need to stand fully committed 
Moses has died. Aaron has died. His son, Eliezer, has died. Joshua is pretty much ready to die. And so they need to look to new leadership, but they need to simply stay committed. They need to simply stay dedicated to God. Unfortunately, when we get into the next book of the Old Testament, Judges, we'll see that that commitment did not last very long. How sad. Again, the wishy-washiness as to the dedication and faithfulness to God and the part of the Israelites continued. How sad. But let me tell you, that is not exclusive to the people of Israel. That is something we see in humanity continually. And unfortunately, it's something that we see continually within the realms of those who, of, of those who call themselves Christians. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to give you the praise, the glory, and the thanks, and the honor in our lives by the way we live. Please, Father, help us to live in such a way that we can do that. Help us, Father, to not be wishy-washy in our faith and dedication to you, but to stand firm, strong in our faith to you, and in our faithfulness and help us to always remember that the two must go together in order for it to be true saving faith, dedicated faith. We pray for that kind of faith. We pray for that kind of faith in others. And all to your glory, Father. Please help us. Please increase our faith. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.